0: Oh, excited for a great day today at the Foundry. I have uh, one of my best friends, Noah K, with me. We go way back. Say way back. Way back. Way back in time. I mean, this was like a guy that I met the first week of Bible college uh, back at Valley Forge, and uh, we called it Valley Forge Bridal College, ring by spring or your money back, yep. and I'm still paying for it. So uh, we're excited that, that Noah and I, though, have had 20 years. It's literally 20 years this year. Do you realize that? Right now, 20 years ago, we met, and we were babies, and I didn't have gray hair. We weren't even And I even was thin. 20. I was, looked like Julius Caesar with my haircut. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was great. I was taken over ground. But um, Noah and I go way back. And what's so exciting is that we, we go way back, but we're also current. And we've had the opportunity hi babe, uh, to share life together over the last 20 years through many ups and downs and um, through one of the things we think is one of the greatest opportunities to invest in their lives as they were missionaries to Tanzania, uh, also to Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, They were one of the first missionaries our church picked up. I think maybe the first missionary our church picked up um, because we believed in what they were doing. We believed in the K family. We believed that their heart was right, that they wanted to make disciples around the globe, uh, starting here from America. So 11 months ago, you were with us. It was October. And 11 months ago, your whole family was here, mom, dad, and everybody. And uh, we had a wonderful time together, but a lot has changed in 11 months. Right, Noah? Yeah. A lot has changed. And life has thrown you uh, some more curveballs along the way to you and your family. So tell us a little bit about what changes have happened, you know, the, the Cliff's Notes version. And then we'll get into some fun stuff, too. So, uh, Good morning.
1: It's great to be back with you.
0: This morning, you can
1: open up your Bibles to Mark uh, chapter 2, and uh, I'm just going to share some thoughts this morning. Around the topic, here we go, um, around the topic, the other way around, rethinking mission. So I understand you're in a series called CORE, is that right? Last week, Pastor Drew, do you call him Pastor Drew? Where's Pastor Drew? Where is he? Pastor Drew's back here. He preached. You preached last week, and I listened to your message And I love this noun versus verb deal that you were talking about. Uh, I I knew you were in a series, and I wanted to kind of hear what you were talking about last week. Loved it. Good word. Uh, This morning, I want to keep moving through your series, and and Justin's invited me to talk about missions. And so I want to talk about missions the other way around, rethinking missions. You know, throughout Jesus' life and ministry, by the way, I'm going to talk about Jesus a lot this morning. He's my favorite. Um. Just absolutely fascinated. Oh my goodness, there's people up there. Fascinated and <laughs> captivated by Jesus. And so, throughout his life and his work and his ministry, Jesus had a way of, brilliant way of using language that worked. He, he spoke in a way that people understood, and, uh, and he used language that was contextually relevant. And, and, and who can tell me, though, what was the topic? If you studied the gospel accounts, what was the topic that Jesus talked about more than anything else? And I'll give you a hint. It's not mission. Anyone want to guess? Close. Love was something. It was his jam. He loved love. But there was a particular thing that Jesus kept laying out. Through story and parable, it's like this, it's like this. Anybody know what that thing thing is? The kingdom, who said that? Boom, gold star. So the kingdom, but here's the deal. Jesus used language that worked. So at that time, that made sense. But in 2018, it really doesn't. I've been to the kingdom of Swaziland in Africa, it helped me to get it. It was actually a nation. It was a place that had a king who had a bunch of wives, and Swaziland's a fascinating place, but we don't call this the Kingdom of the United States of America. So culturally, we don't use that word in sentences. Jesus in Jesus' time that would have worked, that would have made sense. And 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 today, I think we would probably use a word like the way or a society. Or a community. Or kind of like life is like this. Like spiritual life looks and feels like this. Or the way that Jesus is dreaming about is like this. You know, other language would work better for us. And we, to cut and paste sacred text doesn't always work. Beware. We can get into trouble. But our invitation through Holy Spirit is to find ways to communicate what Jesus has invited us to communicate and to be on mission in the ways that he's compelled us to be on mission, but effectively, which means you better use language that makes sense or you be ineffective. But here's the deal about this kingdom. Jesus came at it from so many different angles, trying to define how it works. And in many ways, I'd say to you this morning, it defies definition. The kingdom that Jesus talked about, or the way, was just pregnant, to use that example again, with many meanings. It, it, it's genius, and it would actually stimulate the imaginations of the people, the listeners in Jesus' day, as he would tell stories and make observations about this new way. Are you with me? Okay. And so the kingdom of God is also was full of surprises, Again and again, sermon after parable, Jesus startles us, even still. I will read accounts in the New Testament where Jesus will say something that flips everything on its head and think, my goodness, that's actually really progressive. And still startles. Imagine the people of Jesus' day as he's telling these stories to crowds. They're not reading it like we are from a book bound with leather. They're hearing these ideals, ideas that are just shocking, which is why essentially Jesus was killed for it. Those we expect to see reward get a spanking. Those that we think are headed for heaven land themselves in East, Things are reversed. In Jesus' kingdom that he talked about, the least is the greatest, right? The greatest is the least, And on and on it goes. The immoral receive forgiveness and blessing. Adults become like children. The religious miss the heavenly banquet. The pious receive curses. Things are not like we think they should be. I often like to call it the opposite spirit living or the upside down kingdom. You may have heard those phrases. But check it out. In opposite spirit living, this is some of the stuff you get. I love this. You, get, you respond to bitterness with forgiveness. That's opposite spirit living. In opposite spirit living, you respond to fear with courage. Respond to int- intimidation with confidence. Respond to violence with, what do you think? Peace. How strange. Because the kingdom of the world at the time Jesus would have been speaking very much like Today trusted the power of the sword, while the kingdom of God, Jesus said, clearly rests in the power of the cross. I'll talk about this a little later, but that's a, the kingdom power is actually a power under, not a power over. Are you with me? Everything was upside down. So he, all these stories, all these examples, these parables challenged traditional thought. So it's, conditioned me to live my life in such a way that I'll often look at a situation, examine it, and think, what is the thing I would think I'm not supposed to do? I'm probably supposed to do that. Let me give you an example. You might want to make a decision, and there's a few people you just really don't want to ask. Maybe they're the very people you should be asking. Or maybe there's something you really don't want to do, and you keep thinking about maybe this thing. Or maybe you find yourself reacting inside every time someone says a certain thing to you because you just know it's not true and the reason you're reacting is because it actually is. And it's just too stinking hard to say it. I mean, it's all the time I'm finding myself going, what's the opposite spirit? What's the opposite spirit? So the kingdom of of God advances in this way. So Mark 2. Now we're in Mark 2, 13 to 17. Okay, so watch this. Now we're talking this morning about mission, the other way around. Now watch what Jesus does. He, he, he shows us a great example of this very principle. Then Jesus, he went out to the lake shore. He did what? I'd like you to talk back to me. He did what? Everybody except Justin. He did what? All oh, right. now we're talking. He went out, oh that's interesting. Mission rethought. I thought the goal was to get everyone in. I thought you wanted these seats filled. I heard you say that this morning. Great, but Jesus has got some stuff to say about this. Went out to Lakeshore again, and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. How interesting. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alpheus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Let me break that down for you, 2018. Are you ready? As he's walking down the street, he saw a sleazy, crooked, thieving IRS agent. Who was out for nothing but his own gain. The one you should stay away from. He saw him. And here's what he said. Follow me. And be my disciple. Be one of my boys. I don't know. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There it is. Next slide. Oh, by the way, that mission rethought. Okay, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to just kind of preach to crowds of people that gather. And that, and that worked then, and that may not work now. So that, what would we do? We would rethink that. And we would ask ourselves, well, what would be effective? We have that kind of permission. That's why we have Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And so we, we have the permission. But so Jesus did this, and then, and then he runs into sinners, and then he says, I, I want you, like the worst. I want to choose you. I want you to be my, my disciple. And then forms enough of a relationship of trust that he's invited into their home. I mean I would imagine even that long ago there would have had to been some type of an extension of trust a safety to come and be with my people the ear ir- whatever that big word was sinners right are you with me so Jesus is kind of out and he's with the people and uh, but oh and there were many of this kind among Jesus followers isn't that interesting that that remained in this text in parentheses I didn't add that it's in your bible too probably there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, when the pastors and the church leaders and the elders that knew the scriptures really well, those that had long term faithfulness in the religious system, observed this, they saw this. He was eating with tax collectors and other sinners. They asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? What strong language! When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Come on. And so if Mark 2, 13 to 17 doesn't invite us by Jesus' very example to rethink mission, I don't know what does. He flips all the traditional stuff on its head. Just a few of them that I see. First of all, he preached to non-believers. We preach to believers. And I don't know what preaching to non-believers would look like in 2018 because I just haven't seen four examples of it. I've watched guys like Billy Graham as a child who I had great respect for preach to the masses, but unless your name's Billy Graham, you're not going to fill the stadium at West Virginia University. Sorry. So what do we do? And what is God inviting us into in mission? What does it look like for us? I've got more questions than I have answers. Another thing I observe Jesus doing is spending time with people that the rest of us might not want to be caught dead with. Even inviting them into, his hu- into their home. Fascinating. And then I see Jesus doing things that made church people upset. And I remember when I was leading a church, Justin, I wanted to please them because I need their tithe. You don't need to be nervous. I mean, that's just the reality. Like, I don't want to lose anyone. We want to gain. We don't want to lose. Which, by the way, if the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom, well, we'll get there. I don't want to give it all away. So Jesus was so intriguing in so many ways, wasn't he? And so here it is, this upside-down kingdom where mission is also rethought in light of Jesus. And so today, I want to slide four ideas across the table to you. I want you to try them on and see how they fit. And if they fit, wear them. If they don't fit, don't wear them. Deal? I just wanna, I'm going to slide four ideas across the table to you. I'm just going to float them out there. See if you can catch them. And if they're for you, grab them, okay? Here we go. There's this is four ideas around mission being rethought. All right? If it's really upside down, this kingdom that we're invited into, this way, this new society, then we, we we're probably gonna have to make some pretty significant changes in our thinking. And if the Foundry Church is to be fruitful in Morgantown to reach this city, which I know one thing, you want to be, right? So if you want to be, you probably need to find the keys that are going to unlock it. And it might be different than you thought. Number one, are you ready? The journey outward starts inward. We want to reach out. We want to go out. We want to be outward focused. We want to get the people. We want to... Those that aren't here yet, right? And this is our language, it's what we love. We wanna do evangelism. We wanna go tell everybody about Jesus. We wanna run outreach events, whatever it is, whatever, whatever good hearted, well intentioned activity that might well up in your hearts because you've heard it done and seen it done at other churches through the years, and you think, Foundry, I ought to give that a try. I, I invite you to try this on. The journey outward starts inward. One of my favorite passages of scripture is 2 Timothy 2.2, And here's the deal it basically says, What I got. I'm giving away. That's the NIV, the Noah-inspired version. What I've got, I'm giving away. What's been poured into me will be poured into others who will then pour it into others. The principle of reproduction. Here's the deal. I, I, I shall not ever be confused as to the brokenness and issues in Davis, Lily, and Grayson. Because what I have in my cup, I am pouring into their cup. I have recently watched my 11 year old exaggerate, and it just doesn't look good on him. And he, he was like, No, it was amazing, dad. It was like this big. And then we were, we were there for like seven hours. And like, it wasn't that big. He were not even there seven hours. And my inner dialogue was like cringing. And then I heard a whisper. I've struggled with exaggerating my whole life. I grew up in a family of exaggeration. It's taken me decade and a half to name exaggeration as lying and realize that it deteriorates trust. And that if I say I was there seven hours but I was only there four, the next time I make a statement emphatically, you're gonna question whether it's true too. So I just, I just realized, oh, and guess how he got that in his cup? I poured it in. The journey outward starts inward. And here's, here's what I want you to grasp from this. We give away who we are. We reproduce our values. Show me your friends. Mark Batterson, favorite author of, of your pastor and a friend of mine in Washington, D.C. area. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who they are is who you'll become. And so we reproduce ourselves. And, and, and here's the deal. The journey outward starts inward. Because you are going to walk around with the peace of Christ oozing from within you. You're going to walk as one with a fire on the inside that you won't need to be worrying about strategies of evangelism if you are filled to overflowing with living water. It's just going to leak out. And so just when you think you need to hit the streets, you might need to hit your bedroom and do some contemplation and thought and work on the inner stuff. And sometimes a healthy you has more fruit than a busy you. Are you with me? So maybe to be healthy as an individual who follows Jesus, and as a church community on mission, we start stuff like, guys, we got to be deeply rooted. And a lot of the rest of this is going to take care of itself. As we abide, we will bear fruit. I mean, I think Jesus gets it in John 15, so profoundly communicates this principle that as we abide in the vine, we will bear fruit. Not only fruit, but more fruit, much fruit. It's a brilliant progression that Jesus talks about in there. So, second thing, I want to slide across to you to try on. Are you ready? Are you awake? We got 61 minutes left. (laughs) Woo, that clock is just growing, somebody. Okay, um, Second, the way up is down. I told you that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom, that Jesus offers its ideas of of opposite spirit living. So if if the way up in the world, let let me say what I mean. I mean, the, the whole idea before all of us basically is about climbing the ladder of success, about going on, moving on up, about rising, about, you know, just, just kind of this, this idea is always before us. These, these pictures of definition always talk about how we kind of, you know, increase and grow and move up and, you know, all that mumbo-jumbo. And, uh, and so here's the deal. In mission and in the kingdom, in kingdom communities and kingdom people, maybe the way up is actually down. And I would say to you, that is it precisely how it was with our master model, Jesus who in Philippians 2, we see this incredible progression, and I'll not read every word, but let me tell you the seven steps down that Jesus took. And they're like this, really simple. And you can read this later and just watch Jesus take seven steps down. Downward mobility in the kingdom is what gets you exalted to the right hand of the Father. Humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Exalt yourself and you'll be humbled. So if the way up is winning in the world. The way down is winning in the kingdom. Amen? And so Jesus, he, he, this passage says he considers himself not equal with God, then he gives up privilege, then he becomes a slave, then he's born of a human, then he himself even further, then he dies, but not just death, death on a cross. And so you have this kind of this seven steps down in Philippians 2 that always fascinate me about how Jesus shows us the way of the kingdom, thank you, my man. Appreciate it, and so, so that's that. And uh, and so, it's about then in 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 the the kingdom principles of of things surprising you. In the same vein, um, then it's not about who you collect. Maybe it's about who you send. And it's, it's not about how you grow, but maybe about how you go. It's not, maybe bigger isn't better. These, these are some of the questions that you, that you get provoked to start to ask. When you say, well, if this thing's really upside down, let's finish the logic. It invites a whole lot other questions. Okay, here's a third one. I love this. Mission, rethought. What if, what if? What is stillness, is the secret to productivity. Psalm 46.10. It says, be still. And know that I am God. What if the way we actually become deeply productive is learning to be still? I have wrestled with insecurity since I was a young boy, wanting so badly for people to like me, to accept me, Believing stupid lies about who I was, like most of you. It's just common to all of us. We somehow got fed a narrative through our experiences of pain and rejection and loss through our lives that helped us to be quite certain about how we weren't enough and really unconvinced about how precious we are. That's just our shared human story. But due to my insecurity, I would feel the need to fill up every space with noise. Yeah, I just fill in all the cracks. It's just far too painful or far too awkward to leave something in suspense. And the longer I live and the more I come to see and know Jesus, the more I wonder if stillness isn't actually one of the secrets to productivity. If as we wait upon the Lord, which might mean we have to wait, we might actually renew our strength and rise up and soar like eagles, the, the, the passage in Isaiah says. And so I wonder... I wonder what's more important than knowing. I was thinking of my time with you this morning. I was thinking in these words in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. I don't know what's more important than that. And so when I feel nervous or fill up space and have an answer, I'm I'm so... Much less certain about everything today than I was 10 years ago. You asked me 10 years ago, I was leading a church, four or five hundred people, international community. I knew it all. I knew everything. I had God figured out, I had the Bible figured out, I had the afterlife figured out, I had it all. I knew I knew exactly how it works. Today it's just a big mystery. And the more I swim in it, the more I'm like, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind but now I see. <laughs> all I know is there's something much bigger going on here than I ever thought. All I know is that when I had it figured out life was not this beautiful. And now that I don't have it all figured out or have all the answers, I all I know is that I'm not nervous to tell you I don't know. Maybe it's not like that. I don't know. Maybe God's not a male. Maybe he doesn't have a white robe and live up in the sky. Maybe he is alive in me and you. Maybe the divine is just floating everywhere and we just can't fathom that it's possible. I basically ask questions for a living now. So it really teaches you to listen. (laughs) What do you do? I ask questions all week long. Tell me more about that. And how did that make you feel? What do you think is the most important thing you learned from that moment? I mean, I could just ask you questions for hours, and you'll feel so loved when we're done. That's the thing about asking questions. So I ask questions for a living, and, and that's what a good coach does. They just ask questions. So I coach leaders. I never give them any answers. Don't tell them what to do. I don't give them any advice. Don't fix their problem. Ask questions because, because here's the deal, Justin. The inner teacher best teacher there ever was. His name is Holy Spirit. And when you let draw people out, Proverbs 20, verse 5, the heart of a man or a woman is like a deep well. One who has insight draws it out. It's in you. Just have to ask enough questions to get it. So I wonder, as this community forms over the years to come, if stillness might define your productivity. And finally, and lastly, And I love this. Oh man, I just love messy stuff. Amen. Do you love messy stuff? So here's the deal in rethinking mission. I wonder if brokenness isn't the roadway to wholeness. I wonder if brokenness isn't the roadway to wholeness that in my weakness, he is made strong. Here's what we know that we know that we know for sure this morning. Every single one of us in this room is broken. We've got hurting hearts. We've got wounds that are yet to be totally healed. We've got pain and fear and confusion and insecurity, and we're all broken. And I wonder if the admission and the notice of that brokenness is actually the hole in the soul, Richard Rohr calls it, the hole in the soul that allows God to fill us. And here's why this is so important for Mission Foundry Church. Because who did Jesus go to in Mark 2? Who did he go to? Who did he choose and say, come be close to me? Who was it? Who are probably pretty? And guess what? So are you. You just found some grace that they may not have access to. You're just broken. We have found grace through Christ Jesus that, that we can deliver and offer. And so brokenness is the roadway to wholeness. Or, more that I have made peace with my mess, the more healed I have felt. And the more that I can name without defensiveness my inner shadow side, my, the, 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 and so, the, the more I can do that, the more I'm able to do the soul work that forms me on the inside so that rivers of living water can flow from within me. Because I'd love to offer you a drink this morning. You know what I mean? Like you want to offer someone a drink of living water. I know you do. Um, And so Jesus uses this imagery that, come and drink from me, and rivers of living water will flow from within you. Isn't that direction amazing? From within you. So somehow there's this source of life in us. I don't pretend to get it, but that flows from within us to others. And I, I don't know how it all works. I just know I have felt it. I know that I've been around people that I felt like I was drinking when they opened up their mouth. I felt like I was, somehow my soul was, you know what I'm talking about? My soul was being fed. And I've watched that, and I thought, I want that. And so, Father, give me the secret to know this, and this is one of them, is that this roadway brokenness. And so, will you just stay broken? Yeah, you do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of just do. And, and you kind of see like, oh, wow, I worked at that one, and so I'm grown up enough now to see this one, and it's even uglier. Like, I, I recently was even saying to God, are we back at this? I thought we dealt with this. Now you're back at this. I mean, we cycle and we circle and I go forward and I go backwards. And it's like, oh, aren't I supposed to have figured this out by now? No. Yeah, you just kind of keep needing me to walk with you. But the more that we name it and work with it and carry it and understand that, again, it's that hole in the soul that allows God to fill us and work within us, um, the more it doesn't control us, but that it becomes a healing agent, a river of living water for others. Are you with me? And so then I wonder, in closing, I wonder if that isn't exactly how it's supposed to work. I wonder if we, and I and when I say this, I'm not patronizing you. I, I, I'm thinking with you as a church this morning about mission. That, that Maybe the invitation, Simply, Pastor Justin, maybe the invitation is to pause and slow down, reflect, and ask new questions about mission. Maybe you don't need, like, five new outreach ideas. Maybe the fact that this room is currently full, almost, there's almost no seats. These are all of you <laughs> are the raw material for some type of transformation in Morgantown. I'm trying to tell you, please believe me, you're enough for transformation at West Virginia University. When whatever this is, 200 people are walking around with a fire on the end, taking the rivers of living water flowing from within them, who are taking the hard road inward, who are facing their brokenness, who are understanding that stillness may actually be the road to productivity then you might see some upward mobility, (laughs) some growth. And because if this upside-down kingdom is really this this counter-cultural thing, then the road to get where you want to go might not be what everybody else has done or is doing. It might be a completely different road. And so think about it. Work at it. Walk into it. Try it on. See if it fits. Take it off if it doesn't. I love that language. It doesn't scare you. You know, like, you must do this. It doesn't fit. Don't wear it. Amen? So I bless you. I bless you with grace and peace. I bless you with courage to face what's messy. I bless you with joy when it's hard to reach in and find it. I bless you with hope when you feel despair. And I ask where your heart still feels insecure and unable that the whisper will get a little louder into your soul. You're enough. You're loved. You're welcome. You're included. And above all, I ask that Jesus, the living Christ, would just show up and work in your heart and your soul in ways that change you.
0: Amen. Thank you, my brother. I love being challenged in ways that uh, I'm not typically challenged in a church service. And uh, being a part of this upside-down kingdom, you guys know we've never been traditional in anything we've done here, I feel, for the most part. Because we know that there's so many ways that you can impact what we call the kingdom of God. Um, traditional outreach and things like that, you know, are not my thing. You know that as your leader. Because I've always wanted, like, no, we didn't even talk about this. I've wanted God to burn bright within you so that you could go out and burn bright in your context. And I'm encouraged by that today. Thank you, brother, for that. Because we, 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 we don't want moments. We, we want a movement of people. You know what I'm saying? Some people show up, blow up, blow out. We're not that way. We want to do life. And uh, this last song we're going to sing just in in conclusion today, uh, it's called Hope's Anthem. And uh, I I think uh, that that hole in the soul uh, in a lot of ways needs to be filled with hope. Um, Because a lot of your your hearts have been made sick because your hope has been deferred, right? And uh, this, this is a place that, that Jesus wanted for the sick, not for the healthy. And that's challenging me, y'all. Are we, are we ministering to those that do not know Jesus? Or are we just a holy huddle? Amen, brother. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on. So where do you need to burn bright? You know, where, where, where is your mission field? Who are your people? Where is your tribe? Who's in it? Because all of us have it. But are we shining bright within it? And we need to reimagine mission. Again, I am all about world missions, Noah. You know this. But I'm all about being missional in our own world. And if you can't have a conversation with someone over some coffee across the table, then we, we got a major problem, okay? So let hope arise within you today. Stand with me as we conclude. If you have to go get your kiddos, we understand that. If you have places to go. Um, but we still would love to pray with you and, and just conclude our time in worship. And uh, really lifting God up in this place, okay, as we head out. So, God, we thank you that we have hope. And it is not deferred, but it is present. It is here. And you you are it. God, you are our hope. And you have given us the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit to live within us and to fill us. I love that imagery that that Noah gave us, Lord, about your Spirit filling us to overflowing, that rivers of living water will flow out of the cups of our lives into the lives of others. But we need to have the hope. And as we solidify this time together, as we conclude this moment together, let us have hope, new hope, Let it rise up within and pour out, God, into all the people that are around us. We sing, Lord, and we believe that hope is coming, and we will be your hope to this community. Be your hands and your feet, Lord, we thank you, and we love you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name.